Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week, and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription, and your donation will help pay our music license, buy audio gear, and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. And what it really... Um, struck me was that when I had my second baby, like four of my very, very close girlfriends had their first. Um, And so it was through the conversations I was having with them, it really kind of clarified what I'd gone through when I had had my first, Um, like in terms of the identity shift and all the changes you go through. And I hadn't been able to put my finger on it, really. Yeah. Um, and so that was a really fascinating um, experience for me and I was then thinking what I could do to go back to work and I didn't want to go back to my job and I thought, I wonder if podcasts need producers and I could produce a, a podcast and I chatted to a girlfriend who works for a, a podcast um, hosting company and um, and then I got off the phone from her and I went, oh, no, actually I'll just do my own. That'd yeah, be wow. Great. And so that was in February and here we are. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. That's so, I love that. I love that. That is so inspiring. Well, let's save that for the talk because, yeah, let's save that for the talk. All right. Well, let's, well, should we start? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Today I'm speaking with Ellie Taylor, author of Becoming Us, The Couple's Guide to Parenthood. Ellie is an expert in parenthood preparation and perinatal relationships. She's studied psychology before becoming a relationships counsellor after she had her own children and she's a mum of three. Thank you for chatting with me today. Oh, my pleasure, Brady. It's great to be here. <laughs> now I'll ask my first question. Uh, if you were stuck on a desert island and you could take one drink, one meal and one personal item, what would they be? Okay, um, so the drink I can't do without my Earl Grey tea, so it would probably be that. Pretty boring, but I love it. Um, I really like chicken san choy bao, so that's oh. probably what my meal would be. And it would be my 
new waterproof Kindle that has a two-week battery life <laughs> and about 500 books on it. So I think it actually sounds quite blissful. Yeah, it's nice, isn't most, it? Uh, most of the pandemic, you know, with five to eight people in our home, depending oh. on who was coming and going, and six pets. So I'm like, actually, I'm really liking the idea <laughs> of two weeks, only two weeks on a desert island because then my Kindle runs out. <laughs> oh, okay, well, after your Kindle runs out, you can come home. Okay, cool. Um, now, I have just finished reading your book and it is – so wonderful and what I really loved about it is that it's full of really practical and simple advice that couples can put into place but at the various stages of parenthood and generally just as well in my experience women aren't educated or warned about matrescence and there's no formal discussion or education around how becoming parents will affect our relationship and you sum up the importance of this by saying on page 183 um uh, the tone of your relationship is the background music for your children and I loved that and so how important is it for couples to prepare for the changes of parenthood and how can they do that Okay. Um, great questions and big questions. Yes. Uh, for me, I think it's crucial. I mean, I know that when my relationship with my husband is good, everything else is good too. And when it's not, everything else pretty much sucks. So, you know, and that's, that's I guess, what I discovered most as a relationship counsellor for all that time was that, you know, when people's relationships were solid, when they felt that they could count on their partner, you know, that they were going through things together, that they could approach things as a team, then, you know, life fell into place. But that when there were relationships were unstable or, you know, they were arguing a lot, which is really common in new parenthood, we'll talk about that, I hope, um, that, you know, when their relationships were falling apart, it felt like everything else was too. I, I think our relationships give us a foundation, you know, a, a, as a person to do whatever we want in the world. And I think, you know, once 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 they start to to suffer and to teetle and to, to topple, then we put an awful lot of energy into just propping them up and haven't got much left over for anything else. So I think relationship preparation, ideally, um, is crucial. Um, but you don't necessarily have to do relationship preparation before the baby comes. I think I think you can always do relationship preparation work. Um, you know, we've got three teenage young adults now and we're still doing relationship work for the next phase of our life together. So, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to work on your relationship and to create that stability and to, and to bed those foundations down. So, yeah. Um, but sadly, it's the, I guess the huge, huge missing piece of the puzzle. You know, it's not it's not commonly known until couples get there that they that they probably could have benefited from some relationship preparation. Um, it's it's certainly missing from antenatal education. It was 25, 26 years ago when I became a mum, and you know that's been the bulk of my work since is trying to raise awareness about the importance of relationship preparation um, as part of antenatal education and I'm delighted to say it's just starting to happen so <laughs> that's very exciting it's very very exciting uh, so in terms of how we can prepare for that um, later on we're, we're going to talk about communication and things like that so perhaps um, that part will be answered the further along we go um, but what are some of the most common issues that you've seen arise between couples? 
I think the most important thing to do in terms of preparation is probably to um, be aware of your stress levels and how you manage stress because relationships tend to go well when one or both partners aren't under stress but when one or both partners are under stress that's often when the wheels you know come off or the cracks widen so stress has a huge bearing on a couple's relationship um and let's face it the transition into parenthood is incredibly stressful it means multiple major life changes for both partners but particularly for the one that's you know staying at home with the baby and perhaps leaving almost every aspect of their life behind um, transition stress is a thing. So just making a life change is inherently stressful and and it's the sort of stress that can be really hard to talk about. It can be really hard to identify. It's just a feeling of not feeling like ourselves or something like that. So there's um, layers of stress, I suppose, when you think about it. But we know that stress and high levels of stress are is a trigger for both relationship problems and for mental health issues in both in both parents, um, regardless of you know regardless of gender. So it's really important. I think the most important thing is to reduce where possible stresses if you're going into parenthood, um, and then manage whatever you can't you know reduce or get rid of. And there's some really key ways to reduce stresses. Um, like, for example, the financial stress. So many couples upsize when they become parents. They think that preparation for parenthood is, you know, moving house or buying a bigger car or whatever. They make these massive life decisions, these huge life changes and put so much financial stress on themselves. And then they've got a new baby and they've got, you know, this this kind of um, really crazy situation where you know they're both wanting to work to pay the new mortgage or pay off the new car but they also want to be full-time parents and be their baby as much as possible so it's just this impossible situation that so many couples get themselves into without realizing that actually they're creating more problems for themselves rather than preparing for parenthood and I'm doing air quotes if you can see me um you know so I tell couples don't don't upsize you know, when your baby comes out, they're like, you know, the size, they'll fit in a shoebox, you know, like they don't need a lot of space and they want to be as close to you as possible. They don't need an extra bedroom or, you know, a bigger back seat in the car. They're, 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 they're tiny and they want to be right next to you. You can always upsize when the baby's six months, 12 months, two years, you know, down the track when when you want to go back to work longer because you want to, you know, be yourself again or whatever. Um so, yeah, that's like a really simple but an, an obvious thing after you've done it. But I see so many couples just head down that road and inadvertently um, create major problems for, for themselves and for each other. So stress reduction is, is huge. The other thing is that, you know, most people don't realise, and I certainly didn't when I became a mum, was how much support you need after the baby comes. Um, you know, like... We, we experience ourselves as really capable, well-organised, you know, on top of it sort of, and we just assume that we're going to be the same when we become parents and we just do not realise the effects of sleep deprivation. <laughs> I, I um, realise them now. <laughs> yeah, until we get there. That's exactly right, you know. Like, you know, the, the difference between before and after 
in life is literally, you know, 12 hours if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, it's just such a leap in such a short space of time and it's such a huge leap. So underestimating the amount of support that, that they'll need is a, is a big one for families. So we really encourage um, with the with the classes that we're just starting up now, um, part of them is, you know, thinking about who your supports are going to be potentially um, for things as intimate as who can hold the baby while I have a shower and clean my teeth and get the gunk off my pyjamas as to who can drop in groceries on their way home, who can I ring at 2 o'clock in the morning if I feel like I'm going crazy, you know, who's in my local neighbourhood, who are the neighbours that I haven't met yet that could be really awesome babysitters, you know, in two years' time, those sorts of things. So really helping you know, couples to think ahead about who their who their supports could be. Um, and I think the other big thing for preparation is, um, and again, you don't realise it until you get there, is that everybody focuses on the baby and what the baby needs to be happy and healthy. But that comes naturally, you know, like as you get to know your baby, you get to learn about that stuff. You get to read their cries, you get to know their little quirks and when they make this funny face ends up meaning that because the poo comes out the end and, you know, like you, you figure that stuff out. That's the stuff that you want to figure out with your partner. That's that's the learning curve. The baby will survive, you know, like the baby will be fine. You will love your baby and the baby will, will be fine. But you might not be fine and your partner might not be fine. And so, you know, it's really kind of helping couples to focus on the importance of self-care and couple care. And if you care for yourself and you help your partners to care for them, and if your partner can help you care for yourself and they know how to help help and care for themselves, then you're both going to have so much more left over to give to your baby and your baby will be fine. So preparation, I think, is is, is all about self-care and couple care and, 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 and the baby care will come naturally because, you know, it's a natural extension of, you know, looking after yourselves and each other. Um, so there's lots that couples can do to prepare. So if you've got any listeners that aren't there yet, I'd really encourage them to 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 think about these things and to to do a little bit of research. You know, like people say nothing can prepare parents for parenthood, but I think that's so not true and it's so un- unhelpful to, to, to keep saying that because actually there are lots of things that you can do, you know, to support yourself and to support your partner to adjust. And we know that um, couples that are more prepared do tend to adjust easier and have an easier time of it. And, uh, you know, that's what we want for couples. And then when you're in it, um, you talk a lot in your book about communication. And again, one of um, one of the quotes that really stuck out to me was, turn your communication around and you turn your relationship around. So let's just, for example, say... I'm tired and I'm frustrated and my baby will only settle with me and then I get back to bed and my husband's fast asleep and I want to stab him. What tools should I use at that moment? (laughs) I mean, Um, you know, just off the top of my head. Put the implements away, put the implements (laughs) in the drawer, put a lock on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wow. I remember that. You've taken me back now. Um, So, sure, look, communication is really, really important and I could tell you about I statements and I could tell you about, you know, the sorts of language to use. Let, let's do that. As soon as we start with the word you, we've already put the other person on defensive. So as soon as we say you, it's like radars up, walls are going up, like I'm already preparing myself for a criticism or something like that. And then often we follow up you with always, never, have to, should or don't. So you don't, you never, you should, you have to. 
that sort of thing. And that's sort of it's natural enough. You know, it's a common way that we that we that we talk, especially to our partners. But it all, all already automatically kind of invites a negative response. So the way to turn it around is to ask for help and 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 in, in, and appreciate help. Like I'm I'm exhausted. I'm shattered. I just I just can't do it. Would you mind? I'd really appreciate that. I think it's really just simple, clear, direct. Um, but it's asking for help rather than you know turning it into a criticism or something or something like that and and as important communication is I actually think it's um, really normal for couples to struggle with communication especially when they're sleep deprived especially when they're tired especially when they don't know who the hell they are anymore especially when they're going through the groundhog day you know like I think recognizing that it is a challenge even just to communicate I think is is you know, have the expectations that it's going to be challenging to communicate. Misunderstandings are really common in the postnatal period because there's lots and lots of changes going on, particularly inside mums or particularly inside the stay-at-home parent. So it's a bit like sliding doors. It's a bit like there's, you know, the old you and the new you for a while. And so it's it's really hard to communicate to articulate what's going on inside when you've kind of got this sort of sliding doors stuff happening on the inside of you and our partners are operate often operating as if we're the old us yes you know what i mean like their their expectations are that you're still you so what used to happen before the baby comes is is still normal and will still work but we've gone through these massive internal changes we're like growing into new people now and so the old us is like, you know, maybe they're still there. Maybe I'll get back to that person eventually, but maybe this is just a part of a new journey for me and I'm going to be a whole new person. I don't know. Um, so misunderstandings are really common because like one partner's operating on this is the way things were and the other partner's like, okay, this is the way things are now and this is what I'm becoming. And now I need something different from you maybe or or you know, I have all these new needs. Like I didn't know that my breasts were going to leak. I didn't know that my bladder was not going to work. I didn't know that I wouldn't have time to have a 40-minute shower. You know, like I've got all these new awarenesses and all these new needs and I want you to help me meet these needs so I need to communicate these needs to you in a way that you're not going to feel like it's a criticism of you or you're not going to feel like I'm pushing you away I'm going to try and communicate it to you in a way that you can help me meet my needs because I need I need it I need I need help. Another really interesting um, point in your book about that identity shift. Um, you talk about the history of parenthood and that becoming a parent used to bring you a higher social status, and now it's the opposite, particularly for mothers. You say it used to be a a rite of passage and that you would let go of the old way of life, you would face uncertain future, and then you would emerge with new responsibilities, higher social standing and increased self-esteem. And then you you go on to say that our modern celebrations are much, are much shallower and that we mostly prepare by buying stuff and not focusing on the depth and meaningfulness of change. And then we try to rush back to the way things were and we wonder why it falls apart. Yeah, exactly. And I think just going back to what we were talking about, I think this is why the relationship between us and our partner becomes even more important because a lot of women, especially if they leave work, they leave their vocations, they leave their you know professional identity behind, 
they get demoted in the world. They're just a mother. I'm doing the air quotes again, if you could see me. They become just a mother. And so the esteem that we get from our partners, the appreciation that we get from our partners, the respect that we get from our partners, the support that we get from our partners becomes even more important because we've left behind our old support systems, we've left behind old sources of identity, old sources of self-esteem, and so it puts more pressure on our relationship with our partner for a sense of being worthy, being worthwhile, being important, being valuable, um, which is why the way that our commu partner communicates with us becomes even more important. And yet they're sleep-deprived, they're going through massive life changes, they're maybe not coping. They might be depressed. They might be anxious. We've got really high rates of anxiety and depression in both mums and dads. Um, and, you know, this is why the relationship preparation is so important. Expect that there will be changes in your relationship, but expect that your relationship will also become more important for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, and the trick is knowing how to work with the changes rather than against the changes. Because if you try and get back to normal, if you try and get back to your old life and your old self, you're probably going to put more pressure on yourself and your partner than is helpful. And it's not so much about going back to the old way of doing things. It's about working with your partner to create the new normal, you know, that's right for you and that's right for your family. And that might be very different to what you think it looks like. A friend of mine whose children are much older, um, our kids are one and three and their kids are kind of early teens, um, she recently pointed out to me that our identity continues to change and like you said, you, you don't go back or pick up where you left off just when they go to school or they get bigger. There are many points of identity shift for both parents throughout our lives after we have kids. And so how do we keep our partnership um, thriving, preferably, or even alive when for both parents we change so much at varying points along the way? So even more than communication, which can be difficult, especially in the postnatal period, is connection. And connection doesn't mean date nights. It's, that's way too hard. Connection means making eye contact for a couple of seconds. It means sending an SMS, how, you, how are you? You know, it, it, it's just connection can be as simple as just letting our partner know that we're thinking about them, even though we might be living very, very different days, you know. Um, so connection, I think, is crucial because our connection, our sense of bond is what stabilises us both through all the changes. It stabilises us, it stabilises our partner. Um, and when we're feeling disconnected, that's when couples can start to grow apart and couples often do grow apart <clears throat> through, you know, through parenthood, the differences of parenthood, all the different conflicts of parenthood, that sort of thing. So it's about staying connected with your partner and what's meaningful for them. You know, for my partner, staying connected to him means taking a glass of water out when he's doing work in the in the backyard. You know, that's that's it's a simple, easy thing, but it's really meaningful for him. You know, for me, it's sending a message during the day or, you know, just thinking to, to ask how I'm doing or whatever. So just know what your partner needs to feel connected. And it might be something really, really surprising and it's probably not as complicated as you think it might be. Um, it could be just hugging for a couple of extra seconds. It could be, you know, just a just a hand on the shoulder. It could be just really simple physical gestures of affection. Well, because you also talk um, a lot about how important friendship is between partners um, and that friendship can strengthen romance and 
Um, again, I'm spending a lot of time quoting you, but there's so many good things in your book. Uh, you say, friendship is a bridge that spans the distance between differences. Okay. So it's really interesting to know that 92% of couples have increased differences in their first year of parenthood. So that's a big percentage. <laughs> that's a really big percentage. And that was before COVID. I reckon it's probably about 99% now. <laughs> so, so, and this is another thing that parents don't expect is that, you know, it's normal for couples to have differences when they become a family. It's normal for them to have more conflict. Um, and if you're in the early stages of a relationship, that can come as a huge shock. So if you've only been together for a couple of years and you have your baby, it can it, it, that can come as a, a huge shock. But if you've been together as a couple for a little bit longer, you've probably had some new differences already creep into your relationship, and so you might already know how to navigate those. And for a lot of couples, it would be might be you know like sweeping the differences under the rug or just spending time apart. You can't do that when you've got a two year old. You know, like you can't do that. You, the old ways of managing conflict don't work when you've got a toddler. They might work for a little while when you've got a baby, but actually even not then because babies get really unsettled when their parents are arguing, you know, especially if it's loud voices and that sort of thing. So being friends, being able to tolerate differences, recognising that your partner is different from you, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything scary or intimidating. You know, it's it's normal for people to be differences. It's normal for for people to have differences, especially when they become parents because they're bringing in all their backgrounds, they're bringing in, you know, maybe cultural differences, maybe family differences. Um, you know, my husband and I, my husband's Greek, and that was not an issue for us in the 10 years before we had our baby and then all of a sudden it was a big issue <laughs> because there was all these cultural differences that pertained to having babies that weren't even on my radar, I hadn't even thought about. So I'm speaking from experience with this one. Um but friendship is about accept, accepting differences. You don't you don't distance yourself from your friend if she's different to you. But as a with partners, we take it as a threat. It becomes threatening when it's with a partner because the, the stakes are higher with a partner. You know, like we're basing our future with our partner. Mm. Yeah, it's just a whole different ball game. Um, so accepting that differences are normal, accepting that it's okay for our partner to have differences, but staying connected. So staying connected through those differences is, is, I think, the basis of friendship. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Let's talk a little bit about um, expectations versus reality. Let's say 
that your husband knocks off work an hour early each Friday and he goes to the um, to the pub for a drink on his way home and then you become resentful of that because your expectation is that if he finishes early, he comes home to the family. Um, how can we manage and communicate our expectations versus the reality of a situation and what happens when we don't talk about those expectations? Expectations are huge. So they really, um, in a large way, determine how people adjust to the reality of parenthood. So, um, and we know from research that if somebody has really high expectations of, particularly for mums, if somebody has really high expectations of what being a mum is going to mean for them, they're actually at higher risk for um, postnatal depression. So it's a long way to fall from a high, you know, from a high expectation. So it's really important if you've got any people listening before they get there to talk to other 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 mums and find out what life's really like for them. And social media is terrible for this. You know, the, the whole Instagram image sort of thing can be really, really unhelpful because it's setting new mums up for failure. So being open and real with our friendships I think is really important. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was that sort of a story with most new mums about, you know, <laughs> expecting that the dads would, um, particularly the dads would be helping more um, when they're not. Um so I guess it's about recognising that stress relief is really important and that making time for stress relief benefits everybody um, and finding that balance between um, what works and what doesn't work. So one of the other ways, we're going back to preparation here, but one of the other ways that we can help couples prepare is to think about what they use for stress relief and whether that's family friendly or not. So playing a whole day of golf or going surfing for three hours or going to the pub for hours in the afternoon isn't isn't family friendly because, you know, there might be a phone call and you need it at home and you needed, you know, to not be drunk or whatever, <laughs> you know, like you needed sober sort of thing. So thinking about what ways um, couples relieve stress and, and, and whether that's going to fit in with, with their new life. Um, so in terms of your scenario, it would be, um, you've got to talk about these things. You said, what happens if you don't talk about these things? If you don't talk about these things, resentment goes up and resentment creeps into the relationship. And when resentment starts to creep into a relationship, it can affect every aspect of a relationship. It's one of those things that, you know, it starts in one way, but it has octopus arms that end up um, going everywhere. So I think it's really important to talk about stuff and to, and to say, you know, like it's, I understand it's important for you to have breaks and to have time out. We both need to. How can we both have time out in a way that isn't doesn't cause problems for the other one, doesn't cause more stress for the other one? And just have really open and honest conversations about those sorts of things because that's how you adjust, you know. That's how you create your new normal is by talking about this sort of stuff and saying, look, I understand why you did that but that doesn't work for me because of this reason, whatever it is. Um can we do this instead? Can we try this? It's about experimenting and seeing what does work. And that's going to be different for every couple. So it's really hard to say, you know, do this. Stress relief, time out is important for both parents. Yes. How, how can we build that in to our weeks so that it's not just I'm ready to explode and I'm going to do it in this way and then that causes more, more stress for the other person? Because the change when you bring your baby home, like you said, you know, it happens between when you go into labour 
and when you have your baby or when you bring your baby home in whatever capacity that may be, it it's overnight that that change happens. And you say that historically women mothered mothers through these stages and that women would come in to care for the new mother in the postpartum phase. And now we have amazing um, – resources like postpartum doulas, uh, but that can be expensive. And if you don't have family or friends that you can support on, then I think particularly for the parent that's at home, if your husband or your partner goes back to work, your reality is much different for them. They go back to work and they're still in the office and they're still having all those social interactions. But for the, the parent that's at home, their life is black and white different from what it previously was. And so I, I, yeah, I think being able to communicate that and and say what you need and have the time out is really important. Yeah. So back in the day, um, and I hope it doesn't still happen, but I'm sure it does with some relationships, you know, the partner that's not at home doesn't realise how much work it is just to keep a baby happy and healthy. You know, you have those relationships where the partner will come home and the place place will be trashed and, you know, (laughs) mum turns up, this is how I was, you know, turns up, still hasn't had a shower, still, still, you know, like just messy and all the rest of it. And, you know, the question, what have you been doing all day? (laughs) You just can't understand unless you've spent days and days and days at home and thankfully now with parental leave dads get to experience that um you know they get to experience how much work it is they get to see how long things take you know like even breastfeeding is a full-time full-time job you know when when you when you're getting used to it so um you know you're right it creates this huge divide between between couples when you know one's doing all the baby care at home all day and the other one goes back to work really quickly and doesn't get to see how long that goes for, you know, how long that adjustment period goes for because they're, they're not there, they're not, they're not part of it, um, which is why it's so important to, to share how tough it is and how, 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 how challenging it is and not pretend. You know, I, I, I see so, mum, so many mums particularly pretending that they're okay, pretending that they're coping when actually they're not, you know, they're like those ducks, you know, where it's looks looks great on the outside, but underneath their poor little feet are absolutely exhausted, you know, trying to make, make things look like they're actually okay. I think it's really important to be open and honest and say, look, this is really hard and this is really tough and I really need your help and we really need to have those conversations about how we can support each other to cope and to adjust because the better we cope and adjust, the better it is for, for our baby. So, And parenthood can be a bit of a magnifying glass and, like you said, things that haven't been an issue previously in your relationships, you have, you have a baby and all of a sudden it is like this massive issue. Um, can you explain a little bit about attachment style and how our own attachment style can affect our relationship with our partner once we have kids? Sure. So attachment style's really interesting kind of, it's got a long, long history. It dates back to about the 50s and 60s. So there's been a lot of research in, in, in attachment styles. Um, and basically it is that um, we grow up with a, a style based on how we were cared for 
as infants. And originally it was it was just studied in the context of mothers. So all the original attachment theory talks about mothers and infants. But then the later research was mothers, fathers, communities, grandparents and that sort of thing. So we have to take everything I'm going to say in context. Um, but basically we grow up with a pattern of attachment based on how we were cared for in the first couple of years of life. And so if we were cared by cared for by caregivers who were responsive, who for the most part met our needs, I mean nobody's perfect, but for the most part they were responsive, they met our needs, they were warm, they were loving and we felt safe. Um, so those of us that grow, grew up like that have what's called a secure attachment style. And then if we had caregivers who um, weren't able to meet our needs for whatever reason, maybe they had postnatal depression, maybe they had um, a period of absence or a period of illness or they just didn't have enough help and support or there weren't enough care carers, enough caregivers, then we could have a, a more insecure attachment style. And um, there's two main insecure attachment styles. Um, one is anxious, where we can be anxious and clingy. Um, and the other one is anxious avoidant, where we can be anxious, but we can push people away, keep to ourselves, you know, keep at a distance, not, not, not rely on help. So our attachment style, um, and then there's another style, which is called earned secure attachment. So for those of us that didn't originally have an, a secure attachment style, through other secure relationships, like with um, siblings or grandparents or teachers or earlier boyfriends or girlfriends or and our own partner, we earn secure attachment. So we learn to trust. We learn to ask for help. We learn to rely on other people. We, we learn to be connected through adult relationships. So there's hope for all of us. <laughs> there's, you're not doomed forever. You know, like there's hope for all of us. So for most of us that end up becoming parents, um, we do it because we form a relationship and so we manage to, you know, have a secure attachment with a partner and then we have babies and then we want to love our babies and we want to be there for our babies and that's all good and fine. But when we're under stress, we go back to where we started, that can trigger our insecurities and our insecurities can show up as being either clingy and, you know, um, you know, feeling like we can't cope on our own and, and um needing lots and lots of help or the opposite feeling like no we're okay we're fine we can do it all on our own we don't need any help and you know either way not great so under stress um those of us that have a less um secure style um tend to find ourselves arguing more we tend to find that we don't cope with stress as well and we tend to not seek support like we should be as new parents or like we you know we benefit from as new parents um so, again, back to staying connected and working on the relationship, if we can do that either on our own because we're incredibly clever or through support, which is available for everybody in lots of different ways, shapes or form, whether it's reading a blog post or, you know, right through to getting some relationship coaching or some intensive therapy or whatever helps available to you, the beauty of becoming parents is we get to strengthen our own attachment style at the same time we're forming our bond with our baby so that's the beauty for new parents and it's never late too late to do this but it works specifically well for new parents is that your brain is actually biologically getting ready to attach with your baby and so at the same time it's also biologically ready to be more securely attached with your partner 
So if you can work with those changes, all the different life changes that we've spoken about, if you can work with the changes and if you can approach the challenges as a team, not only are you likely to bond more securely with your baby, both of you as as parents, but you're also bonding more securely as partners and that's going to stabilise you through the other changes and challenges ahead as inevitably there will be. Life does not stop throwing changes and challenges to couples. So the more work you do, the more you prevent problems down the track. The more you stabilise each other, the more you cope as individuals and as a team and the better you're able to support your children. So, you know, it's that's the beauty of, of, of becoming parents is it's healing in a whole bunch of ways. It's healing for individuals and it's also healing for, for couples, for partnerships. So it can be a, a chance of a, for lack of a better term, a do-over. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a huge do-over. And this is what I found with each baby that we had too, that each time we did it again, it was another op- opportunity for a do-over. So we, we we did things so badly the first time that it led to a book. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the plan, but that's what happened. It led to a book and then it led to courses that are now starting in our local hospitals and, you know, like it's, it sparked a, a whole thing. So when we had our second baby, I, I was a relationship counsellor. I was starting to be a relationship counsellor by this time. So I had a really clear idea of how we totally stuffed up the first time around. Our poor, our poor firstborn. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. Anyway, um, so I had a really clear idea of how things weren't the first time around for us, and how I wanted things to be with our second baby. So we we did we did over. We did things so differently the second time around and then we were, we were lucky enough to have a third and, and, and we did things differently for, for our third as well. So each baby is an opportunity for do-over. But I also find for couples that each life stage of our children is an opportunity for a do-over again because the same issues tend to come up over and over and over again and they tend to come up in a more obvious way when there's other life changes like when a baby starts preschool when they go to school when they become teenagers you've got you've got issues that you've got to to come together as a couple on to make some big decisions for them and so it's all of these times are new chances for do-overs. They're times to improve our communication. They're times to stay connected, to stabilise us, you know, through the changes that we're going through. They're times to come together to co-parent and make big decisions, you know, for, 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 for our baby or for our child. So there's always opportunities for do-overs. That's, that's, that's the great news. And even for couples who are struggling, as so many couples do, um, there's hope and there's help. And I find that some of the biggest changes actually occur for the couples that struggle the most because it's like the bigger the change, the more you have to adapt to it in order to make things work. And so it sort of confronts you with having to make big, big changes on the inside as well as making big changes on the outside. It's like this is totally not working so we need to do something radically different. And so those couples can end up really thriving the most because they've, they've really let go of the way that they were doing things. Whether if it's, if it's just a little bit of a shift, it's too, it's too easy to go back into old habits. It's too easy to just continue struggling. I think it's sometimes better for, for people to just fall apart and do it differently than to just limp on 
you know, almost coping for a long time. I love, I love that. That is the the way of looking at that as a as a chance, as an opportunity. You know, when things are really hard, and when you um, when you feel like you're kind of at opposite ends of the room looking at that as an opportunity and as a chance to change how you do things to make it work better for you as a family, that's amazing. Yeah, well, that's what I saw in counselling. The beauty of counselling is that you get the the couples that are at that point. They're at that point where they've realised, okay, we've tried everything on our own and so now you're our last resort and I'm like, okay, (laughs) great, you know, let's let's start. You know, often they're thinking of, you know, separating and so, okay, it's like, all right, let's let's back up, let's have a look at, at, at what's gone on. And in fact, that's how, that's actually how the eight stages evolved. The eight stages evolved through me listening to the stories of couples over and over and over again. And over and over and over again, I heard a very similar story. Of course, it was different. It was unique to each couple. But I heard a similar story and it was a story of disconnection. They were stories of disconnection that happened in stages. Can you just explain... Um... You don't have to go through each of the stages, but just for people who haven't read your book, um, just what you're talking about when you say the eight stages. Okay, so it would be, you know, not not preparing before the baby comes, not recognising that the actual birth experience will have an impact on their relationship for better or for worse potentially for many years to come. So 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 not recognising that, they, you know, they can prepare, they, they, they should prepare, it's a good idea to prepare the birth experience. Um, how they manage those first days and weeks at home because both parents are so incredibly vulnerable in those first days, weeks and months and so really needing to protect that time to cocoon as a family and to know how to support each other because whatever happens in that postpartum can really stick for years to come. So really protecting that postpartum period, um, recognising that there is a period of adjustment, including expectations and how to manage those expectations, knowing what you need to be happy and healthy as parents and as partners and then figuring out the baby stuff together. That's That's a whole other stage. Knowing that identity shifts and self-esteem is are really common for new parents and how to work with the identity shifts and how to build up each other's self-esteem, knowing how to uh, manage conflicts, which is common for 92% of parents, and knowing how to stay connected. So that's in a nutshell, you know, the the different stages. So I saw couples fall apart in stages and so I was, you know, my – my work, the bulk of my work was how to keep couples connected in each of those these stages. And the beauty of that is that when they're connected in the earlier stages, it's much easier for them to stay connected in the later stages. So the earlier you can get, you know, you can work with parents to do this stuff, the, the, the easier they do have it. Even those that come in with teenagers, if we, if we look at the history of their relationship and they can both see that most of their problems were because they were completely blindsided by the life changes. They were completely unprepared for everything that happened. It can take off the blame and the resentment that's actually caused them to grow apart. And once you once you can, you know, see that it wasn't anybody's fault, that they were both struggling or and, and not coping or not coping, a lot of a lot of anxiety and depression is in hindsight. 
um, or it might be that they were struggling with um, ADHD. That's a big one that I'm seeing these days is, you know, parents with ADHD that didn't know that they had ADHD until they have a child and then they look back and they think, oh, my God, no wonder this happened. Like, no wonder this is, this is how things were for us because we didn't know that we were dealing with ADHD until we had a kid diagnosed with it. And actually, you know, one of us has got it too. So um, where was I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, 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 there's so much in your book. I, I think everyone should read it. You were saying that these, these were how you developed the, the eight stages because you saw over and over again the same thing happening for couples at varying stages of their parenthood journey. So even for couples of teenagers, it, it's once they realised that it was actually nobody's fault that they weren't prepared, that parenthood isn't a rite of passage, that nobody's ushering them, you know, through it and showing them how to do it and what to do when. Um, and once the blame and the resentment is reduced, then that's their do-over, you know, just in time for the teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> so what's something that you would say to parents at any stage that's empowering? So my experience um, – my own experience and and the experience that I've shared with my clients is that parenthood is a journey and it's a journey for you and it's a journey for your partner. But I think the biggest part of the journey happens on the inside of us and I think we want to share what's happening on the inside of us with with our partner so that they can they can take that part of the journey with us as well. And that we want to be curious about the inside journey of our partners and that if both of us can talk about our inside journeys, that's how we stay connected. And then that's going to make a very different journey for both of us going forward. Thank you, Ellie, for chatting with me today. There is a link in the show notes to Ellie's website where you can read more about her and you can also buy her book, Becoming Us, A Couple's Guide to Parenthood. I highly recommend it for all couples who are about to or have had children together. It's a really amazing read. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brodie Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.